Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. Welcome to Paseo. I'm Pastor Gary. We're really glad that you're here with us. We want you to invite you to open your Bibles with us to the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. If you have a hard time finding it, just go to the back cover and go to the left there a couple pages. There's a Bible there near you in the rack, and we're going to be on page uh, 1239. And it's the book, of, we just want to really be clear, it's the book of Revelation. It's not Revelations. There's only one Revelation, and that's the one that Jesus Christ gives to John, and he's written it down in this book. You know, when you're in, you know this, don't you? When you're anticipating something good, life is really good, isn't it? I mean, when you are pretty sure that something is going to happen in, in the future, like, I mean, life is good. Anticipation is just really an exciting thing, that eagerness, that, um, uh, uh, that dreaming about what's next. Um, in fact, um, a lot of you like vacations. Uh, anybody not like vacations, by the way? Okay, so I think most of us like vacations. Most vacations turn out pretty good. Sometimes vacation kind of goes haywire, but most of the time, vacation is really good. Well, some folks have done some re- real research on this, and they've discovered that there's one thing better than vacation, and that is the anticipation leading up to a vacation. You know, when you're starting to think about we're going to go here or we're going to go there. And that anticipation, that building up to the vacation, um, researchers, social scientists tell us is even better than the vacation itself. So April and I are perpetually planning a vacation. And I just tell her, honey, I said, we're going to go somewhere soon that's fabulous, that's unreal, that no one else has ever been to. It's exotic. It's awesome. She says, well, when are we going to go? I said, honey, I don't want to ruin the anticipation. So it's not working real well for me, but uh, I just showed the research. Um, several years back, um, I don't know if any of the others, if you, husband, if you're married here, sometimes husbands and wives leave articles out of magazines or books laying in obvious places so the other one sees it. You know, probably most of you have done that. Something you want your spouse to read just happened to be laying there on the couch or just happened to be laying there in the bed. And one day, April left for work, and I was still there, and there was something laying on the bed. It was a magazine. I thought, oh, goodness, what am I going to be painting now? What kind of a gazebo are we going to build? What kind of macrame are we going to do? And, and I, so to my surprise, I picked it up, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a magazine article about riding your bike around Prince Edward Island, Canada. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, has heaven come down or what? I mean, this is just awesome. Well, and I, I'm an avid bike rider, and she liked to ride bikes. And Prince Edward Island is, a, is the smallest Canadian province. It's on the east coast of Canada, up by Nova Scotia up there. And it's an absolutely beautiful island. And it's pretty flat, relatively flat, until you ride your bike on it and you discover they were lying. Um, but it's, it's relatively flat. And so um, we started reading up on it. And we got, we got more eager with anticipation. And then we found a couple here in San Diego that had been there and done the same thing. So we got together for dessert with them and got more excited. And then we got, you know, fixed our bikes up and got the right racks and the right panniers. And we got all the maps and we're doing all this stuff. And we were started actually riding our bikes, which is important when you're going to ride around for 10 days around an island. 
And so we started training. We started saving our money. We bought our airplane tickets. We just did everything. And it was all what? In anticipation of this awesome trip coming. And so anticipating something really cool out in the future changes the way we live right now, right? So like we didn't wait till the day before we went to buy our airplane tickets or make sure our bikes had tires, uh, air in them, and how we're going to ship our bikes there. And we didn't wait. We didn't wait a week before we went to train. So anticipation of something really good in the future affects how we live today. It affects the here and now. And so we, we, uh, we, man, we did all this eagerness, this planning, this dreaming. We shipped our bikes. We got back there. And the first night we're, we stayed, we, we were all self-contained. And by the way, guys, if you want to go on a vacation so that your wife doesn't shop a lot on vacation, this is the way to do it. Because everything we had had to be carried in these panniers. Everything. So if she wanted to buy something new, we had to throw something else out. We were down to one pair of socks, one pair of pants, and then by the end of the trip, it was great. Stayed in B&Bs all around the island. It was great. So the first day we set out on our bikes in the morning, setting out from the capital of Prince Edward Island. And as we're going out, it's cold, and it's June, and it's cloudy, and it starts to rain. And, you know, we're Southern California kids, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And we're riding along, and then it starts to rain a little harder, and then it starts to sleet. It got so cold. So I'm like, uh-oh. So I, I just make sure I don't look over at my wife at all. I just keep riding. We're riding side by side. And so uh, finally she says, hey. And I looked over at her. She said, I, by the way, I have the best wife in the world. And I know you feel that way about your wife. And that's okay for you to feel that way. That's a good thing. But I do have the best one in the world. I looked over at her. And she looked over at me. And she said, I love this. And I just said, oh, Jesus, it's real. You're real. This is, it could, life had, could not have gotten better. Now, she told me later that if it was still sleeting the second day, that she wouldn't have loved it, and we would have gone to the Holiday Inn for the rest of the time on Prince Edward Island. But that anticipation, isn't it? And when you don't anticipate, when you don't have a vacation or you don't have something good in the future, life can get kind of dull, can't it? That's one of the reasons you cook up a vacation, right? Like, um, if you text that guy or gal you're interested in and they don't text back, life is kind of dull, kind of a bummer. Or you don't get that promotion. You'd hope to get a promotion, but it fizzled out. Life's not very exciting. Or the day you get home from a vacation, right, and you don't have another one already planned, life is difficult. But when you have something to dream about and see, and it, that it, you see this in the future, then it changes the way you live now. You start to train, you start to save, and you start to dream, and you start to be different because of the future. And we're going to see that today in the book of Revelations, chapter 4 and chapter 5. And we're going to see how the future, the sure, absolute future, should change the way we live today. So here we are, Revelation uh, chapter 4. I hope you found your way to it. And we're going to begin with verse 1 of chapter 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Now, I just want to, I'm going to make some comments as we go along. If you're in heaven before the rest of us, and you see a door that's open, look inside, right? You know, you know if you're in heaven, and you're coming down a hallway, and there's a door that's open, make sure you look inside and report back to the rest of us. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard earlier in the book, speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must 
take place after this. So this voice says, I want you to come. This door is open, and I'm going to show you what maybe is going to take place, what perhaps is going to take place. What does the text say? We always keep our finger in the text. What, what, what's the word? What must take place after this. So what we're going to see here, you can fully anticipate, right? You know, I, don't, I didn't know if we'd ever really get to Prince Edward Island, but it was fun to dream about it, but we did. But sometimes you dream about something that doesn't come about. Here's something you dream about, anticipate, plan for, dream for. Let it change your life now because you know that it will come about. God promises that. This must come about. Now, our, our writer is John. John, of the the gospel of John, he wrote that gospel. He wrote the three letters, or I call them postcards, first, second, third John, and he wrote the book of Revelation, all under the inspiration of the Spirit. And he is Jesus's, when he was on earth, when Jesus was on earth, this is Jesus's best friend. This is his buddy. Uh, They talked all the time. They were probably the closest. And and John is going to be shown now what the future holds. And here's point one, if you follow along on your sermon outline, your growth group questions on the other side. Here's our first point, our crazy, wild, amazing future. Because this future is unbelievable. It's bizarre, and it's the best future you could ever imagine. Verse two. At once, I was in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Now, we're not yet told who that someone is, but I'm going to tell you who it is because we discovered a little bit later. It's God the Father. He's seated on this throne. There he is, and he's in the middle of this scene. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. Now, even though a lot of this is symbolic, this is not cartoon. This is not a comic book. This is not a myth. But instead, the Bible writers are using symbolism to help us understand the reality. So sometimes when people read the book of Revelation, they go, oh, that's too weird. There's no sea that's like crystal. No, it's just an image of this amazing uh, uh, sea that is going to be there. This is reality. This is really going to happen. So don't get, don't get too hung up in the, um, in the imagery that's used here. And the one, verse 3, who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. Brilliant and bright and beautiful is the idea. In fact, there was a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircling the throne. Imagine that. Have you ever seen it? You've seen some awesome rainbows. Some of you have seen some double rainbows. This is a rainbow that's magnificent, and it surrounds the throne where God's seated. I mean, you, you see this picture of brilliance and brightness and colors and beauties. And then surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. These, we're not sure who these 24 elders are. They're not presidential candidates. I'm pretty sure about that. I know some of you are confused about that because you read it on the internet, so it's got to be true. It's not. If you read it on the internet, it's mostly not true, right? It doesn't matter who sent it to you, who sent you the email. It's probably not true. Uh, so uh, probably we're not sure who these 24 elders are. I think they might be. All sermons are revealable in heaven, right? I think they might be representatives or symbolic representatives of all believers of all time. If I'm wrong on that, check me out and we'll see you in heaven and we'll straighten and find out who, who it really was. So it's, it's some symbolism there. They were dressed in white. They've been 
cleansed in the blood of the lamb. They're clean, right? And they had crowns of gold on their heads. Jesus has given them these amazing crowns of gold. And from the throne, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. Oh, this is a scene, folks. This is, this is, this is a, what we used to call an e-ticket. You fasten your seatbelt on this ride here. I was in South Dakota with my dad just a couple of weeks ago, and I remember being in South Dakota. I spent the summer there when I was 16. At my, at our family had a, had a, had a cousins had a ranch back there, and I remember uh, the thunderstorms in South Dakota. You know, here in Chula Vista, when we have a thunderstorm, someone turns, turns on a porch light and it scares everybody. Oh, did you see that thunder? But in the Midwest. When they have thunderstorms, how many of you have seen a good Midwestern thunderstorm? My uncle Philip took me to the drive-in movie. My cousin and I took us to the drive-in movie one night in the midst of this incredible thunderstorm. My cousin and I were like, we were down on the floor in the car. My uncle Philip was enjoying the movie and the lightning and the show. That's what it's like in heaven, but no one has to be fearful of it. It's this picture of power and beauty and brilliance and color that, that you're going to want to be at. And there's these seven spirits of God, um, verse 6. And in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Oh, this is, this is just the most amazing scene. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures, he can't even describe what they were. Were they giraffes? Were they elephants? Were they sea monsters? What were they? He just there were these four living creatures. I think because he had no way to describe these things. He says, uh, and they were covered with eyes. This is an optometrist's dream. In front and in back. Verse 7. The first living creature was like a lion. That's Hillary Clinton. The second was like an ox. That's um, Mr. Trump. And the third had a face like a man. I have no idea who that. And the fourth was flying like an eagle to Canada after the election. <laughs> That's not in the text, by the way, but just a little political commentary there. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. In other words, they moved everywhere, these creatures did. And they were covered with eyes. They saw everything under its wings. And day and night, now you, now you got this scene, colorful, lightning, throne, big, huge throne, thrones around it, and lightning and, and, and pearls and, and, and um, uh, rubies and jasper, and day and night, the end, uh, verse 8 there, day and night, they never, they never, do you get that? They never stop saying, let's read it together and let's read it loudly together like we mean it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come day in and day out, this endless eternal wave of worship. And it goes on. It goes on in this chapter and the next chapter. And, and, and we find out that there's so many people around this throne, no one can count them. John says there's Thousands and tens of thousands and tens and tens and tens of thousands of people around the throne. And they're all following in this endless worship of the, of the Lord. In verse 9, And whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down. There's a lot, let me tell you this. There's going to be a lot of falling down in heaven in worship of Jesus. That's, that's the proper response is falling down on him. Now, here's the good news. Here's more good news. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but I used to be a catcher for the Cubs. 
Yeah, I did. Uh, Allied Gardens Little League Cubs. <laughs> I'd never really caught. But you know, if I got down into the squatting position right now, I'd never get back up. Okay, that's what happens to you when you hit 40 like I've hit. And, and, and that's what happens to you. In heaven, we're going to be falling and jumping back up. Falling and jumping back up. Going to be like, like, like calisthenics. Going to be easy. We're going to have this renewal in our bodies. Um, uh, the 24 elders, verse 10, fall down before him who sits on the throne. And they worship him who lives forever and forever. And they lay those gold crowns down before the throne. And let's read verse 11 together. And even if you have a different translation, you just read what you have. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created, and they have their being. Oh, this is going to be a scene. You want to anticipate something? Anticipate this. Prince Edward Island is wonderful. It doesn't hold a candle to what we're going to experience in heaven. This is what we anticipate. This is what we look forward. And, and let me tell you, you know, I, I, I keep telling you this. Heaven is not going to be floating around on clouds. Boring. That's, that's not biblical. There's, no, there's nothing biblical about people floating around. And you're going to have wings. You're not going to have wings in heaven. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You're just not. What we're going to get to do is for all of eternity, we will explore the, the endless love and joy of God. And every day we're going to discover something new about his love. You see, it's not going to be like we're going to get to heaven. Sometimes people think we're going to get to heaven and we're just going to kind of know everything. So if you kind of know it, it's like going to the movie and you've already seen it before. You go, oh, well, I know what happens. Well, how boring. But I'm here with my wife and she hasn't seen it. So, okay, enjoy this. That's not going to be heaven at all. You're not going to know everything when you get to heaven. There's going to be a lot of stuff you don't know because God's love is so endless and his joy for you is it, 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 just, it just goes on and on and on. Let me give you an analogy. Let's say you love to backpack, and you go up into the Sierras, and you go and you just backpack for months, and, as you're back, and you don't have a map. You're just exploring, and, and you climb up a mountain, and you get to the top of the mountain, and you see this vista that you've never seen before. It's always been there already, but you get to soak in and enjoy it for the very first time. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. Is you're going to climb up this hill, in an analogy sense, and you're going to, you're going to discuss something about God's love. Oh my, worthy of all honor and glory are you, Jesus. And then you're going to go down the trail a little bit, and you're going to come, and you're going to find this lake that is crystal clear. And the trout jump out of the lake Fillet themselves. That's my, that's my idea of heaven. Get into your bag and then are on the barbecue when you get back to camp that night. That's what's going to be like in heaven as you discover the love and the joy that Jesus Christ has for you. And then you're going to go you're gonna, and you're going to find this valley. You think Yosemite Valley is awesome? I do. You're going to discover valleys. Where have I been all my life? And you're discovering all about God's Love and all the joy. And you know what? You're gonna, you are never going to get to the end of this backpacking trip. You're never going to get to the end of this backpacking That's the picture that we're getting here. How can these guys be falling and getting up and falling and getting up? Because they're exploring 
the love of God that's already there. It's, God doesn't get more loving. He, oh, this is how he's always been. And there is no end to the, to the, uh, to the um, Yosemite, to the, to the East Sierra Mountains of God's love. It just goes on and on and on. And you can say to April, look, look at this. And we're gonna, we will praise him together and enjoy him together. And with our kids and our family and our friends and our church family and, and with people of every tongue and every tribe and every nation. You say, how's that going to work? You'll, you'll know how to speak their language. You'll know how to speak yours. You'll understand them. That's, that's the best I, I can understand. Well, isn't there a heavenly language? English. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it's maybe not. I, don't, I, I just think everyone's going to have their, 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 their own language, I think. I could, I could be wrong on this sermon in a lot of places, but I'm not wrong on this, is that we're going to spend all of eternity exploring the vastness and the colorfulness and the sounds and the tastes and the smells and more senses and more senses of God's love for you. That's why Paul says, I pray that you, along with all the saints, would begin to know the height and the depth and the width and the length of God's. That's why I prayed that prayer for you, and I prayed that prayer for me. Because what we know now, we're, we're, we're going we're to find these oceans on our trek. And right now, we've just put our little toe in that ocean. Oh, we're discovering God's love. It's so cool. It's, it, it's just a foretaste of what's to come. Boy, don't you anticipate that day? And that anticipation of that day that's for sure going to happen changes the way we live right now. And then John, as he's watching this and he's overwhelmed with this, he notices something. He sees something. He sees something he hadn't seen before. He sees in the hand of the one who's seated on the throne an iPad. <laughs> this, he was writing it today. That's what he would have seen, Right? Just this incredibly huge 20 terabyte. My good friend, my engineer friend told me, the Yodabyte. That's the biggest uh, memory that there's, there's out there. Uh, 20 Yodabytes of memory on this, on this iPad, verse 1. You thought I was making this up. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, uh, iPad. With writing on both sides, and it was sealed with seven seals. Seven seals. These are not four-digit pin numbers. This is so highly encrypted that no one, not even the Russians, not even Apple, and not Secretary Clinton, and not Mr. Trump, and not you, and not any angel in heaven, and not even the devil, I want you to get this, not even the devil can tamper with your future with what God has for you there in days that are to come. No one can tamper with it. Seven is this number of perfection. It occurs um, a whole bunch of times in the book of Revelation. I wrote it down somewhere here. 52 times in the book of Revelation. Because what's in this scroll, when this scroll is opened up, when this iPad is turned on, What's going to happen is you're not just going to read about it. You're not just going to hear it on the little tin speakers. You're not just going to see it in the, in the, in the retina screen. It's going, to, it's going to jump out of that scroll and come to be. And, and it's, going to, it's a scroll and these seals are opened up. 
This is just a scroll of what's going to take place and understanding what's going to take place in the future and that anticipation, that planning we have should change the way we live today. Revelation 5.2. And I saw, John says, a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? Man, there's anticipation. Let's get the show on the road, right? Let's get this going. I got to tell you a story about, I had a grandma who really wasn't a grandma, you know, one of those grandmas. And we just were talking about her. My dad and I, we were in South Dakota together. Her name was Grandma Steiner. And she wasn't my grandma, but that's what we called her. And her 100th birthday, we went up to Corona where she lived. She was healthy. She was in a wheelchair, pretty sharp. Her hearing was going, but man, she was still sharp. So um, it was time, everybody was gathered for her 100th birthday party, right? So we're all there at the house and visiting and having a great time. And then it came time for the cake. I remembered this vividly. So they brought Grandma Steiner and they wheeled her up to the end of this table and they put the cake down in front of her. And everybody, there's 30, 40 people that were gathered around. We were all crowded in. And of course, us kids, I was about 15. We kind of got closer to Grandma Steiner. We loved her so much and the cake really looked good. And, and so we're standing around Grandma Steiner and they light the candles and we sing happy birthday to her. And then they... They, she blows out one or two of the candles and then everybody just starts visiting and having a good time and kind of going off their own way and kind of ignoring Grandma Steiner. She's just kind of sitting there and we're just kind of standing around it. 10, 15 minutes goes by. Now, please, I'm quoting Grandma Steiner here. Excuse the French. She looks at that cake and then she looks around at us. She says, well, are we going to eat, are we going to eat the damn cake or not? Get the show on the road, right? That's what Grandma Steiner's saying. Let's get going. And so that's what John is saying there in heaven. Somebody open this scroll. Let's let's get this thing thing rolling, this encrypted uh, 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 scroll. So let's see what happens next. Verse three. By the way, never read ahead in your Bible in church, okay? So if you have read verse three already, you're excused. You're excused. Never read ahead in church, please. Verse 3, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, the devil, could open the scroll or even get a preview, even get a glimpse of what was inside the scroll. No one. No one is worthy to open it. it. It reminds me, it's like, remember that old Bill Murray movie, Groundhog's Day? No one can open the scroll. Just the same thing every single day. And, 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 and John breaks down weeping, verse 4. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside him. John had no hope. He had nothing to anticipate. He was dismayed and dismal and broken. And he not only wept for himself, but he wept for every one of you. And he wept for me that day. John did. And he wept for us because for all of us who have hurt people and who have sinned against people, There is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness for you. And he wept for those of us who have been hurt or 
have suffered loss or have been abused. And he wept for that little Syrian boy whose picture there in the ambulance with his head caked with blood and that blank look in his face. He wept for that boy. He didn't know that boy. But he wept for all of us because if this scroll doesn't get opened up by one who is worthy, there's no comfort. There's no healing. There's no one that will wipe away the tears for all of eternity. And John wept because there's no good news. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Jesus, the, the, the lion, the mighty one, the, he has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I, I can't read this text without thinking of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Oh, that beautiful powerful being. By the way, if you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, it's okay for you to go on your device right now and go to Amazon and buy it right now during church so it'll be at your house on Tuesday, okay? Buy it and read it and read it to your wife or your husband. Read it to your kids. Read it to your grandkids. Read it to your parents. Don't just see the movie. The movie was, eh. The books are incredible. And this picture that I have through that imagery have been changed when I, in college when I first read the Chronicles of Narnia. And I've read through them a couple of times since. And, and I think it's worth it to help us to get this picture of God. So here is this lion who has triumphed. He's, he's alive. He's, and he is able to open the scroll. See, the mighty angel's not able to open it. No one's able to open these, these seven seals except the, the, the lion. Verse 6. And then I saw a lamb. It's one and the same. The lion is also a lamb. And the lamb is also a lion. And the, li the lamb is the spotless lamb of God, Jesus, who was slaughtered so that you might have life, so that your sins might be forgiven, so you might enjoy him forever and forever. And he's triumphed, hasn't he? You know, one of, the, one of the last times, not the last time, but one of the last times the disciples had seen Jesus, he was limp. As they brought him down, he came from the cross, and then as he was carried and placed in the grave, he was limp. And now the one who was limp, the lion, is standing. And he's standing there in their midst, Verse 6, don't miss that word in verse 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if he had been slaughtered, standing at the center of the throne, and he's encircled by four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that he sent out into all the earth. And he went, and he, the lamb, the lamb took the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat up on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the throne. Each one had a harp. You see there, I told you, they're falling down all the time and then they're getting back up. And then they're falling down again. Each one had a harp 
I think it's really electric guitar. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Now, I know some of you are going to go, oh, incense. I don't like incense. And I just have a, a Hebrew word for it for you. Get over it. It's, it's kind of a unique Hebrew word. What, what's a picture of? It's a picture of the pleasantness of God's people's prayers up to heaven. So if you want to think of freshly baked bread, put it in there. What's your favorite aroma? Plumeria? What's your favorite aroma? That's what it is. It's, 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 it's these prayers that are pleasant up to God. That's what, that's what John is talking about here. Uh, they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and you are worthy to open its seal that this, that this future might come, this future in which you wipe away every tear, this future in which there'll be no more harm or harming this future in which all of that that pained us will be forgotten and done away with. This future that God holds for us. It'll, the, these seals will be open. And the reason that he's worthy to take the scroll and to open it is, not, is because you were slain, you were slaughtered. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation that around this throne, we'll see as we go on in the book of Revelation, that around this throne indeed are people from every tribe and tongue and nation and people. And remember when we see in the Bible, most of the times when we see that word nation, it's not talking about Brazil. It's not talking about Switzerland. It's not talking about Vietnam. It's talking about a group of people who share certain things in common, oftentimes language, culture, history, common enemies, common battles, common difficulties. And these people groups, uh, uh, these what, what the Bible sometimes uses the word nations to describe, speaks about from every unique, special, different language and tribe of people that are around the throne of Jesus, offering him worship forever and ever, and getting you on those explorations into the Sierras of God's love and joy, will be people from every single tribe and tongue and language and nation upon the earth. Isn't that awesome? People from every... That's why I don't think there's going to be just one heavenly language in, in heaven. I think people are going to bring their own tongue, but you'll understand, the, you'll understand them when they speak in their own tongue. I think I could be way wrong. You'll understand it, whatever, whatever it is. And they're all going to be on this, this backpacking journey to discover um, uh, God, God's amazing love for us. And, and, and you, know, you know what? You're going to be, some of you are going to be there. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be around there. Now, I got a question for you. How did you get in? This is written in the first century. And I've got to break some news to you right now. It wasn't written in English. In fact, that's the language most of, us, most of our mother tongue for most of us here is English. English hadn't even been thought of yet. The United States of America had not even been thought of yet. It was going to be about 1,700 more years before our country came to be. And English, when John wrote this, when Jesus gave him this revelation, had about 
400 and some years before it even began. So imagine the people who first heard this. They were mostly Jews, right? Now, what could they have done? Oh, that's cool. People of every tribe and tongue and nation and stuff are going to be there. Okay, let's hunker down and keep it to ourselves. Hebrew, that's God's language. Let's just kind of keep it right here in Jerusalem, right here in our neighborhood. But they didn't, did they? Because they looked, they read the scriptures and they looked to the future and they saw what Jesus was going to do for sure. And that around his throne, the one who was slain to bring us into relationship, to reconcile us with God, that around his throne would be people of every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And they didn't know a word of English. They didn't know any, English wasn't even around yet. And they began to pray because they felt God's, as God, they, they felt God's amazing love for them. They began to pray and they began to take that message beyond their own little people group, beyond their own little comfort zone, and they began to take it out into the whole world. And as they took it out in the whole world, they took great risks, political risks, Many of them died of persecution for spreading the gospel. And over the centuries, as people took the gospel, uh, 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 taking a ship to go to China that would take months, they died of disease, they left parents, they left kids, they left loved ones to take this message because they knew that for sure this was going to happen. And they wanted to be part of it. What an enterprise to be a part of. Who was it? Um, um, Somebody said to the leader, I think it was Stephen Jobs said to the leader of Pepsi, do you want to make sugar water the rest of your life or something like that? Or do you want to make a difference? Well, I'm here to tell Steve, Stephen Jobs that the Apple computer is not the end of the world. It's close to it, but it's not the end of the world. That there's a bigger cause. And the question is, is are we just going to busy ourselves with first world problems the rest of our lives while... Two billion people this morning, more than two billion people, have never heard the name of Jesus. Two billion people. Brooks Buser was with us several Sundays back. Um, he and his wife were missionaries in Papua New Guinea for 10 years, and they took a, uh, took a people group and helped them to just... Um, put their language, their alphabet into written form for the first time, translated the Bible, the New Testament into their language, shared the good news of Jesus Christ with this people group for the first time ever, 10 years of their life. You, 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 you met Brooks a couple of weeks ago. As they were doing the translation one day with, his, with one of the fellows from the, from the village, Brooks was doing the translation, and he came to a difficult verse, and so he reached up on his shelf, and he he pulled down something and he opened up a second book and his translator helper from the tribe said, what's that? He said, that's a Bible. He says, you already have a Bible open. What's that? He said, well, that's another translation of the Bible. And this guy said, wait a minute. You have two translations of the Bible? Well, Brooks said, and he was trying to be nice. He said, well... We don't have just two translations of the Bible in English. And he was trying to be really nice. He said, we have about 10. You know how many translations there are of the Bible in English today? I, I stopped counting at 100. And this people group had zero. Aren't you glad that the first Christians didn't say, 
if you can't read Hebrew, you're out of luck. That same call is upon us, right? Four times Jesus gives this great commission. And I put them in, in your sheet there in chronological order. Um, and the first one is in Luke. And, 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 and he tells them in Luke that, that, that he's sending them in the power of the Holy Spirit to go to the nations. And then the second one, you read these a little bit later. He says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to blow on you and I'm sending you. And then the third one is in the chronological order is in Matthew, where he says, go, 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 make disciples. I'm going to be with you forever and go to the people near you and a little further away and to the ends of the earth. And then in Acts, he gives the fourth and final one. And he again talks about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to take this message to the very ends of the earth. Don't stay here. So that, why? What are we anticipating? Around the throne of Jesus forever and ever, people of every tribe and every tongue, worshiping him. Worshiping him. And if we're, and, and if we're, if we're just gonna choose to stay and worry about our garage doors that aren't working, we're going to be disobedient, right? Because Jesus wants believers of every tribe and tongue and nation. And I just, I, I want to say this to you. is either you go or you send or what? You disobey. And, and I, want to, I want to share with you this, how this future anticipation fuels us today to go. And I want to share with you how you can be part of this even today. Take a look at the first thing I want to put up here real quick. Let's see. You can send. You can, you can pray and support and encourage uh, one of our missionaries. Uh, I'm, we're going to put up some pictures of just some of our missionaries. We have about 12 missionaries here at Paseo del Rey. And here's just some of them. You can find all of them online at our website or most all of them. And, and, and here's what you can do. Is, is, is Being a sender doesn't mean that you just write a check or use your debit card once, and then that's good. I'm a, I'm a sender. That's important. Uh, you, we need to do more of that. <laughs> write more checks. Use our debit card more to support our missionaries. But to be a sender means to be a fan and a supporter and someone that's in contact with them. What's, you know, it's really lonely sometimes being out on the mission field, whether it's at uh, UC Fullerton or uh, Cal State Fullerton or whether it's in Brazil. Sometimes it's really, really lonely. How about writing missionaries and finding out what's going on in their life and connecting and praying for their kids? And, and, um, and, and I've, I've just got a great idea here. Our missions team came up with this idea is as an individual or as a family, as a couple, or as your growth group, what about praying about choosing one of Paseo's missionaries? Let God tell you who it should be. Choosing one of Paseo's missionaries and they become your missionary. You become their supporters, their biggest fans. You connect with them. Find out what's going on. When they come back, you're the one that hosts the party for them. You host the dinner. You, you house them when they come back. So you really make that sending connection. So that's, those are just a couple of really cool ways that you can send. Now, here's a way you can kind of send and go in a, in a, in a certain way at the same time. It's our 20 liters uh, clean water project that Carlos spoke about a little bit earlier. Saturday, November 19th, we're going to be assembling some parts. The whole family's invited. And then these will go to Rwanda. We not only want to give the people of Rwanda clean water, which they desperately need, we want to give them living water, the good news of Jesus. Bring a friend, as Carlos said. And then here's one other way. Our Jordan team, March 2, that's going to go and share the gospel with refugees from Syria. Um, 
Uh, our team has been formed. We've got 14 folks that are raring to go and for you to be praying for them and supporting them. Now, why do we do this? We do this in anticipation of what Jesus has promised that he's going to do. And we say, God, we want to be part of this. And how can we be part of this? Jesus, would you change us from the inside out so that what you desire for the future, what you long for for the future, is what we long for for the future. And that our now would be changed for what we know is going to come about. Let's stand together. And let's pray, and our ushers are going to come in a couple of minutes for our morning offering. Jesus, we respond. We want to respond to all that you've done for us. We want to, we want to be goers. And we want to be senders. And we don't want to be disobedient. So Jesus, help us to join what you're already doing what you promised and guaranteed will come about, that around your throne, people of every tongue and tribe and nation, and we've got a task ahead of us, two billion people, thousands of people groups that don't have the Bible in their language, that know not one single Christian, wouldn't know where to go to ask someone about Jesus, even when you give them a dream. And Jesus, may we be part of that, what you've called us to, what you've commanded us to. May we be obedient to your great commissions and in your power go and make disciples of all peoples. May you live in us and change us. May you rule in us and control us. May you reign in us. In Jesus' name, amen.